G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. It is the Thursday edition of 2020 and a conversation I do want you to be a part of over this next hour and especially if you're living in country areas, if you're in the outback, if you live in the bush, if you're in a small town and you think we're a bit isolated out here and uh, I never call in for the talkback programs, well, I want to invite you to be a part of our conversation today. We're going to turn our attention to issues in the outback our attention to listeners living in rural and regional Australia who have endured some dreadful hardships over the past few years. Our special guest today is known to wind her way along often unmarked outback tracks and knocking on the door of remote homesteads. You never know if she'll be knocking on your door. And so with drought and floods and bushfires and now even a mouse plague, there seems to be no end to the challenges facing rural communities. It may be a comfort to know that there is hope when some challenges that are upon you seem insurmountable. There are some upsides that are happening, but our focus today is going to be on what is happening in rural communities, the strength of families, the local church spiritual health of people who are living and working in the bush. Outback pastor Liz Howland leads Ray of Hope Ministries. She was born into a pioneering central Queensland rural family, into cattle breeding and facing floods, droughts, bushfires and slumps in the cattle market. She has a real compassion for rural people and she's getting ready to make another expedition into remote outback communities. Liz Howland, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Good morning. Liz, when are you heading out bush again? Uh, very, very soon. Within it, a week. I'll within be a week. Heading out, I'm just packing now, have a few loose ends to tie up, and then I'll be heading out about next Thursday or Friday. And you're heading out from southeast Queensland. Uh, you're going to make your way, as I understand it, into New South Wales first, uh, then up through Queensland, and then potentially, and I guess you've got to make some decisions along the way, into the Northern Territory as well. Yes, that's what's in the pipeline, but I never know where I'm going to be sent first. I pitch my caravan now, not a tent, at Dolby, and I wait upon the Lord, and He directs my path to where the greatest crises are at any given time. And just to draw attention to this, because listeners will have a smile on their faces when they think that you might have been pitching a tent uh, for many years, but this was the case. Uh, an outback minister, town to town, prayerfully deciding which way to go when you get to a country town, but often pitching your tent, and uh, and even in the middle of winter. Well, I loved my tent. <laughs> I really love the adventure of being in that tent, and it was very simple. Very few pots and pans. Uh, uh, it was just a wonderful... I really enjoyed that season. It was exciting, especially in 80-kilometre-hour winds when I tied the tent to the uh, wheel of the car. 
And uh, But I loved that, and it was a very uh, rich time that I remember. Well, none of us are getting any younger, and uh, these days you do have the luxury of the caravan, and the caravan actually provides you an opportunity for those more intimate conversations that you'll often have when you're in a country town where you can invite someone in uh, for a cuppa and a chat. That's been an absolute uh, godsend, and it is such an intimate place. They can come in, they can sit in comfort. The clamour of the outside world is left far behind. There's been so much prayer and um, comfort offered around that table in the caravan. It's taken it to another level because of the uh, comfort and the intimacy and the lack of interruption as I invite them in. And... uh Let me just take this a little deeper here because on the face of it, people can look like they have things together. But when you arrive in a country town, and listeners will know just listening to you, you have this wonderful disarming presence and you love to get into a conversation. You are a woman and there, no doubt, are women who primarily are your focus when you are away, although I know you do talk to men as well because you're a pastor of both men and women. But when you are able to scratch where it itches, getting a little below the surface, you recognise that everything that looks got on the outside uh, sometimes has some deeper, really challenging and even disturbing elements to it. Well, I truly believe God's given me a gift of being able to get to the heart of a matter with people um, was a wonderful experience on my last trip. I met this uh, couple at a very uh, isolated town. They had their caravan and they were heading into southwest Queensland. And this particular man, after getting to know me a little bit over a day or so, over the tow bar of his van when he was leaving, he unloaded grief that he'd suppressed for 50 years, how he'd seen his brother uh, killed in a, a truck explosion and he'd not been able to He'd never had anyone to help him just pop the cork of that grief. And that man was ministered to over the tow ball of his truck and caravan. When you say grief and those things that we go through in our lives, we're often facing crises and uh, we lose loved ones. Uh, We witness tragedy. Uh, There are losses in our lives that shape our future and if you don't deal with those appropriately, they can cripple your future. And and uh, the idea of ministering to someone, and uh, use that term, it's like uh, serving people before God and uh, helping to bring the presence of God into someone's circumstance and sorting out some of those things that have messed them up in earlier times. That stuff happens all the time when you're out on your travels. It, it surely does. And that's how the Lord uses me. <clears throat> is with those kind of situations. And I would say 80% of what I come across that needs assistance is undealt with grief, suppressed grief. Even people don't even know they're carrying grief. They thought they were okay. And I turn up and they realize that they weren't. And we have these wonderful deep conversations and the love of God just comes upon them in wherever situation we are. The love of God just comes over them and God does what he does best. He ministers to the heart. 
Well, I want to invite listeners to join in our conversation today. You might have an issue you want to share and uh, and let other listeners to our conversation in on that. You might have been through some of those challenging times that we've been talking about, whether it's drought or bushfires or floods or uh, issues around what's happening in country towns. Well, you might like to join in and just let us know what's happening in your country town because some of those issues I'm talking about are big issues, but there's lots of smaller issues or issues that don't often make it to the surface. Well, I do want to open the talkback line and invite you to join in our conversation today on 1-800-316-316. You can also respond on our Facebook question today at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Question I'm asking today is, do you think people in the city truly appreciate some of the hardships people face in rural communities. So when I said I'd love to hear from country people today, uh, it's because I suspect there'll be city people are saying, what is it that I don't know about the country? And uh, maybe there's some dimensions I haven't really even considered. Liz, let's talk about some of the really challenging things. And if you're heading off in this next week and heading into New South Wales, we're hearing reports of a mouse plague in New South Wales. Uh, is there anything that you're likely to uh, to move into and, uh, you know, a part of families that are going through that in the, in the coming weeks? Well, very possibly I will come across that. And having been through a shocking mouse plague myself when I was on the land, I understand uh, the, the, the horror of it and the breath where you can't sleep because you can hear mice in the ceiling chewing through things. You don't know if it's the wiring or the ceiling. Um, I've been bitten on the finger by a mouse while I was sleeping. I've emptied the mouse traps, uh, 58 times was my record in one night. Um, and we could not get up, uh, on top of them. We were in a grain growing area at that time and driving into town, the whole road was popping like a sea a mass of mice going across uh, the paddocks. And what I'm hoping is this cold snap might knock a few off. And um, we ended up getting some Manx cats and they could catch a mice in the air. They could, a mouse in the air. They'd leap out of the linen cupboard and catch a mouse in dead in the midair and kill it. And they were phenomenal. But it's a natural cycle and they do, it does end. And there's some really innovative ways to uh, trap them. I I do hear that this mouse plague could last a couple of years, so uh, that would be awful. Mm. Uh, the sorts of things you hear and will read stories about, uh, mice in your bed with you at night and crawling across your face uh, while you're asleep, and as you say, you've been bitten by a mouse and uh, mice in your house. Uh, uh, and then all sorts of ways that people are approaching how they are trying to deal with the mouse plague on their property. Uh, some who are very happy. There's uh, New South Wales government initiatives to uh, fund more poison to go into uh, so many properties, and people will be looking forward to that. But but that sort of thing, I mean, this is plague issues. It sounds like biblical proportion, and it can completely ruin a crop and completely put a business farming business uh, out of business. Uh, this is the sort of challenge that people on the land are facing frequently. Well, Neil, one particular thing when people are having to use poisons, most people on the land have really, really valuable dogs and other animals. And if they eat a mouse that's had that poison, you can lose your dog. They hemorrhage on the inside. And so many people are reticent 
uh, to use those kind of chemicals when they have precious um, pets and working dogs. When you arrive on New South Wales properties and uh, and you've got people that you've contacted, you might have even set up some appointments to drop in. I'm not sure what your itinerary is, but do you go prepared into those environments knowing that you've been through this before and you're coming as now a minister of the gospel and uh, you're not on that farm anymore and you're not dealing with the plague in the way that farmers do? the sort of reception you might receive when uh, you're arriving at the homestead on a farm, and you've been there before, but you're arriving in a different context. You're a minister of the gospel. Do you prepare anything in advance when you're arriving? I never prepare in advance. I just open my mouth and God fills it for that particular situation. That may be hard to understand for some people, but I never have a pre-empted conversation. I just turn up and say, how can I help you? The idea of uh, fearfulness, when you've got a mouse plague, no doubt uh, there are thoughts that we can't survive this, our crop is gone, Uh, this is the last straw, we're out of here, we're selling up. Uh, Thoughts for how you might approach the sort of anxiety and fear that comes on rural, whole rural communities when these things happen? Well, I'm passionate about the power of prayer. I've seen answered prayer for many, many years in many, many situations, diverse situations with bush people. And I believe that if they will gather together and pray, that mouse plague, just like the demonized pigs, can go over the cliff um, and into the into the sea and drown. Um, and I do believe that, and um, I believe God can turn things around. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson, a biblical perspective on life, culture, and current events. Outback Pastor Liz Howland is our guest. Liz's ministry is called Ray of Hope. She's about to set out on another expedition into remote outback communities. And I do want to invite you to join in our conversation. 1-800-316-316. Talkback line open. You can respond to on our Facebook question, Do you think people in the city truly appreciate some of the hardships people face in rural communities? Liz, just before we move on, and uh, important things to talk about, but uh, let me me just reflect a thought or two from listeners on Facebook. Martha says, I don't think we even realise half of the trouble rural communities go through. Do you think there is a sort of a gulf between uh, the city and the bush uh, that city people somehow rather take for granted that, uh, you know, hey, it's rained, it must be all right now, the droughts are all gone, all the problems are solved. What are your thoughts for this sort of gulf between the city and the bush? Neil, I don't really see it as a gulf. I see it more as um, lack of understanding, lack of knowledge. So if we can help city people understand that just because um, many areas have had good rain, their problems aren't over. So some of them have had this kind of situation for 11 years and in that time they've gone from huge uh, herds of sheep and cattle and they've just diminished. They thought they were making the right decision no one knows if they're making the right decision about selling off livestock or keeping them to feed. But the, the bottom line is right now, many people have either sold off or lost their breeding herds. And so the market, because of the depletion in the stock numbers, the market has dropped and uh, 
in the drought the market dropped, but now it's gone skyrocketing and there's no way they can borrow the money to buy in fresh breeding stock. So that's the catch-22 situation. Some properties in the bush right now, it'll take three, four years for their grass to come back because it was just chewed right to the roots and the drought even killed the secondary roots of the grass. Wow. Well, so many of us will remember the images at the peak of the drought, uh, scrawny cattle on the back of trucks on their way to market, uh, farmers having to sell down their herd because they couldn't afford to feed the cattle. And now, so on the other side of that, yes, it's rained. And as you say, it takes time for the grasses to return. Uh, But uh, building up the herd, I mean, this idea that the cattle herd in Australia, and this is uh, something I was reading about, um, apparently the cattle herd is at its smallest that it's been in decades because of the drought. So farmers farmers are scrambling to actually uh, build their herds again. Well, there's just really no answer for that at the moment. Um, and so that brings about the cash flow situation. And that is the thing that will be very, very evident to me once I get out there, I know. The cash flow still isn't there. Uh, some of some people have chosen to work off farm to be able to provide for their families, but that means the men are away for weeks at a time um, and the women are running the property on their own, often with young children, children they're teaching school to. Um, and the little kids, they just jump in the vehicle with mum and go up and put some feed out for the cattle that they have left. Some very resilient, practical, courageous um, women and men that I come across out in those regions. Let's take a call, 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Chris is in Brisbane. Hi, Chris, welcome. Hello, how are you? Good. Chris, what are your thoughts Uh, for our conversation today? I just wanted to honour Liz for the work that she does. I think it's wonderful and um, I think she's a very uh, courageous lady and um, I just wanted to say if she let her know that um, we appreciate the people in the bush and all the difficulties they go through. And um, we have um, donated some funds from time to time to support Liz's work, even though she doesn't know us. I so appreciate that. I so appreciate that. Thank you so much, Chris. And Chris, honour to you because I know there'll be people in the bush listening right now. And uh, I mentioned you're from Brisbane. So a city girl and appreciating people in the bush and recognising that when there is someone who's a bridge, which uh, we'll call uh, Liz, uh, not as uh, you know, in a derogatory way, but as a compliment, a bridge between the city and the bush in that sense and uh, taking in some sense here uh, the face of the city into the bush and uh, the idea that, you know, you've lived in the bush, lived on a farming uh, uh, enterprise uh, and recognising that that is an area which you are skilled and equipped and gifted to, to minister in. Uh, it's wonderful to be able to honour you in that way. But, Chris, thank you so much. I think uh, your message to Liz has been heard widely by people who are listening to our conversation today and uh, appreciate your insight so much, Chris. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bless you, Chris. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Let me reflect another thought or two. Catherine says... 
of course, our question today uh, that we're asking, and you might like to respond on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Do you think people in the city truly appreciate some of the hardships people face in rural communities? Catherine says no. But chances are rural Australians don't appreciate the hardships people face in other countries either. So we're all guilty of being self-centred to a certain degree. That takes a, that's another big uh, dimension there because uh, maybe mm, city people yes. don't appreciate the bush, but maybe bush people don't appreciate what's going on in other countries. That's an interesting one. Well, and they, sometimes they don't appreciate um, what's going on in the cities either. But I believe that God uses me as a bridge to bring understanding to country people about the city and to bring understanding of country people to the city people and that's an ongoing work because there's misconceptions everywhere and it's just a gentle word no that's not correct this is the way and one of the most wonderful uh, things that's been attached to this ministry for many years is being able to uh, place gift cards into the hands of those that have got no funds and it's just a, a miraculous criteria they get a card with this little note in there that says this card comes from the city to the bush with love. Um, We are praying for you and there will be a turnaround. We might say wow to that because it really does bring a, uh, a, a, a would you call it a, a bridge between the a city healing. and the bush and, and a healing because that's mm. right, people can feel neglected, mm. even rejected by people in the city when you're living in the bush, particularly if you're going through really hard times. And I know, Liz, you take the word for today. It's one of the primary uh, things that you love to distribute to and Lots of people listening to us today are so familiar with the word for today and recognize that's their daily devotion. Yes. Uh, people receive that very openly, don't they? Yes, they do. And we're reaching ever-increasing regions. We're covering whole districts with word for today, um, all out through northern Queensland, central western Queensland um, and other areas. And um, it's a very profound tool because it gives people some spiritual food um, on a daily basis, and they will say to me, um, oh, I love to read my, well, some of them read it at night. It gives me something positive to think on uh, before I go to sleep. But just getting back to the gift cards, I want to tell this one story. We might have to wait until after news, Liz. Okay. It's news time, so we'll save that for after news. But uh, distributing the word for today, you also distribute Ian Watto Watson's books for men that you come across. Uh, you also distribute copies of the Bible. And you mentioned those prepaid gift cards. Liz, uh, let's uh, take a call. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. You can join in our conversation today. You can also respond to our Facebook question. Do you think people in the city truly appreciate some of the hardships people face in rural communities? So 1-800-316-316 or respond to that question at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Liz, let's take a call. Steve is waiting patiently from Chinchilla in Queensland. Hello, Steve. Welcome along. How are you doing, Neil? And is it Jenny, is it? No, it's Liz. Liz is our oh, guest well, today. It starts with the same letter anyway. <laughs> well, almost. Yeah. Hey, yeah. hey, what yeah, are your yeah. thoughts, Steve? Um, well, we, we've, we've been farmers out here and um, we retired a few years ago. And <clears throat> my wife and I do a lot of travelling in the outback pre-COVID. And we travel in an old 1968 Olympic caravan. And 
it attracts people and we just we trust and ask God to put somebody across our path every day and he never lets us down and you know we might be in a campsite and you get to talk to someone over three days and on the third day that your heart's broken because their heart's so broken and sometimes you can pray for them and sometimes you just got to give them a great big grandpa hug and but um, there, there are people out there by the by the thousands that are broken and just need someone to to listen and um, we we do that and we love what Liz is doing as well wow this idea that you come across people who are broken some people don't like that terminology but there's reality to that term when people have been through some particular challenging times in their life. Liz, Absolutely. Yeah, Liz, what are your thoughts for Steve? I totally agree with you, Steve, on the need for a listening ear. A listening <coughs> ear is a very the greatest gift you can uh, give some people. And we just have to sometimes be still and listen and then... The power of testimony I've found is a very real thing. As I listen to people's challenges, the power yeah. of testimony, how I once walked through that and God was there with me through it and brought me out the other side and that is why I go about doing what I've been doing for 16 years in the bush. And uh, in the bush, what I've found is there's not very many people actually in church. They're way, way out away but I'm sure you've probably come across the ones in caravan parks that come from the city and are escaping pain. They're escaping yes, grief. They're yes. trying to find uh, an answer somewhere. And that to me... And some of them try and find it in alcohol and they're drunk as skunks, but there's really pain that's pushed them into it. And it's pain. They just need to yeah. un- unload it, yeah. And they yeah. need us to look through Jesus' eyes at their predicament. Absolutely. To see them yeah. as Jesus would see them and to love them and minister to them from that perspective. Yeah, we, Steve, we leave word for the day out in the in in the windy loos and hand them out, and people give me back their old ones, so we take them out and hand them out, and so we, you know we go r- right across the middle of the country and up through the northern territory. We love Camerwell and you know out to te- um, Tennant Creek and uh, Elliot, and that that's where we feel at home. Excellent. Steve, Good on you. while I've got you on the phone, uh, this is a very, very important point I think you're making here, is that there's a transience of people who are driving in the outback and uh, some people who are escaping their past or their troubles and hoping to find some sort of refreshing and renewal in an outback travel. I wonder whether, Steve, if you've got any thoughts here, whether people are actually finding any of that renewal in the outback travelling. I mean, you've got grey nomads travelling around the place, but but this idea of uh, running away from your past, uh, is this the sort of thing you're coming across frequently? Absolutely, and and hiding behind alcohol. But, you know, there's a lot of people like us that are out there that are believers, and people ask us, how many people did you lead to the Lord on this trip? I says, I, I don't count who we lead to the Lord. I said, do we actually bring people closer to Jesus or do we take them away? Do we consume from them or do we add to them? And that's, that's my, my bucket. Like, it's not about the leading to the Lord because one, one plants, one waters and one sows. And what, but Absolutely. But you've got to actually bring them closer, not consume from them. Absolutely. 
I couldn't agree yeah, more, I, Steve. I just look at it like uh, road to salvation is like a brick wall, and you can add one brick or you can kick three bricks out. Wow. Yep. Steve, great getting your insight. I want to thank you so much for joining into our conversation today and uh, really, really appreciate your great insight. Thanks so much to Steve from Chinchilla. Let's take another call. Matthew is on the line from York Peninsula in South Australia. Hello, Matthew. Welcome. How are you going, Neil and Liz? Good, thanks. What are your thoughts, Matthew? Um, Yeah, um, was listening to Liz talk about grief um, earlier, and um, I'm a chaplain for the um, a country league over here. And uh, just recently, um, a lad um, committed suicide, and um, I had to walk through uh, the club through uh, the grief and loss of that. Yes. Um, the teammate dying. And, um, yeah, I found out that um, his mum had done the same thing previously. So uh, grief, yeah, it's important. I guess people just uh, push it down and don't talk about it. But um, what Steve was talking about, you know, about listening and yes. um, being present and... Um, you know, dealing with the grief by, um, yeah, sort of the greatest um, gift, the great community around you, and the um, greatest gift. The pain. <sighs> Matthew, let me just jump in here. Uh, the idea that when there is a suicide in a rural community. Uh, that it is a contagious thing and uh, oftentimes you'll find someone who has suicided and recognise that they've had another family member who's also suicided. So one suicide leads to all sorts of other challenging issues within families and it can go from generation to generation. It becomes part of the, the heritage and the history of a family when that happens. So preserving people from that is such an important thing. But Liz... Uh, the, the, what were you looking to share here for Matthew? I was just going to say that um, listening ear, letting people speak about that loved one that they've lost, let it, speaking about that loved one with them and enjoying their memories and helping them focus on the good memories, focus on all the good things that they loved about that particular person and uh, just allowing them space and time to share their feelings is probably one of the greatest gifts we can give to those grieving family members. Matthew, thank you so much for your call. Really appreciate you calling in and a tough circumstance you're dealing with there and in your role as chaplain, uh, may God's richest blessing be on you and as you do that work, uh, it'll have some eternal consequences. You keep up the great work. Matthew from York Peninsula in South Australia. Talkback line open, 1-800-316-316 and you can respond to our Facebook question today, facebook.com forward slash vision radio. You've got lots of stories to tell Liz and one of the ways you connect and uh, it's not just, hey, let's bail you up for a conversation. You actually like to leave people often uh, and depending on their circumstances with something substantial and you carry gift cards and really those gift cards, as you say, it's coming from 
probably someone in the city who Absolutely. wants to be a blessing in the bush. That's what but happens. when people receive those, they are they are touched, aren't they? They are so very touched. Uh, this particular story that I want to share was about a man up in the Gulf Country in the in the depths of drought, and he'd been out all day shooting cattle that were too weak to go on and that was the kindest thing he could do is put them out of their misery on the way home just on dark he picked up the mail from the mailbox which could have been 5k from the house and he opened the mail in which there was a gift card from the city to the bush and he went home to his wife and walked through the door with tears streaming down his face and he said to his wife can you believe this we have a gift card in the mail from people we don't even know in the city. And it really touched their hearts. And uh, I've been able to follow up with those people and have very great conversations with them. And it's line upon line, precept upon precept. It's not Bible bashing. It is listening and hearing and offering what I've learned through the hard experiences of life. Oftentimes it's not what you can say and contribute, but it's how your listening ear has an effect on someone who says, finally, someone who will listen to me and hear my heartbeat. Wonderful, wonderful story. 1-800-316-316. Love to hear from you. Let's take a call. Ellie is in Brisbane. Hi, Ellie. Welcome along. Thank you. Yeah, I've just not. I've just moved out of Mitchell down closer to Brisbane, and um, it's been getting my goat for a long time because a lot of people say, "Oh, they." If people try to suicide, they say that, and I'm sure you said it or heard it. Um, oh, they just want attention or they want calling out for help. No. Well, I've got I've got the other side to it is that when you try to kill yourself, you want to get out of this blessed life. And um, it's only by uh, sheer coincidence, yes, I suppose it's that with God, that has kept me alive. And um, it's not because I want to holler out for help. It's because I am fed up with this stupid world. I can't manage. I can't get myself under control. I, um, I'm bipolar, but I make sure I don't take miss me pills. But um, it's just everything in general of my life um, sucks. And there's not a thing anybody can do about it, so it's no good telling anybody about any of it. And it's no good turning around and um, thinking we've got to be in the bush to be suicidal or stuff because we all know that's not right. No. But um, um, before I moved out from Mitchell or out that way, um, I didn't have a word worth staying alive for. And I've moved down here hoping against hope that I might survive. And I'm hanging on by a tooth thread. And um, it, it, you don't have to have mice plagues and out of that. We had all that out there. We had the droughts. We had the floods. The floods took our houses off the piers and things and didn't have it insured, did we? Not very many people had their house insured for floods out Mitchell. Mm. We had them insured for everything except. Um, and so you had to walk away virtually with nothing and start all over again. And... Um, they are things that you can say is trauma and at least you're traumatised and I feel that that can happen if you cling to it, use it as your lifeline. Um, and my son died nine years ago. He was a quadriplegic, but he shot himself. And um, so, you know, 
And then, of course, my husband died not long before that, and my first husband died before that, and I'm glad he did because if he didn't, I should have got the gun and shot him. And, um, you know, uh, and they said, well, you don't have to live that life anymore, but in the 50s, 60s, 70s, you had to live with someone bashing you up constantly. You had to share them to turn around and um, with other women, and if you objected, you got another thrashing. Um Someone was talking the other day about um, being um, having sex when you know taken from them when they were five or six. Yes, I was in that boat. My sister was in that boat. My other sister was in that boat. And then in the end, we all got took by the welfare. And so there we are. We didn't know how to call mm-hmm. a mummy or daddy or nothing because yeah. we didn't have any. Ellie, that, that, yeah. I think. Everyone listening uh, to your story now is glad that you're still breathing today. Yes. Uh, your story is is heart-wrenching, and the things you've gone through, none of us would ever wish on our worst enemies. Uh, it is a dreadful circumstance that you've gone through, and, and I'm just interested to hear uh, what Liz's thoughts might be for you because, um, you know, I'm sure Liz would just love to be able to jump through the speaker right now and give you a hug, but uh, Liz, what are your thoughts? When you hear Ellie's story, I mean, this is heart-wrenching. Ellie, I'm so sorry for all of those things that have been perpetrated upon you. I'm just so sorry. My heart just goes out to you. And it is, as as Neil said, a miracle that you're still breathing. But darling, you know what? Today's a new day. And I truly believe we can make today what we want it to be. And if you can find a really good church with a good uh, counselling service and become um, just heading in that direction, you will find the peace that you're looking for. And you know what? Yesterday is yesterday, but the future, your past does not have to be your future. And one of the greatest keys I learned in my life, having been through a lot of trauma, was when I was having my worst day, I would make a deliberate decision to look outward, find someone worse off than myself, and to bless them. And in doing that, it lifted me out of myself, and it made me focus outwardly, and there was great joy in that. I hope that that's... That's what they they call pity parties. I haven't got time for a pity party, because that means thinking about how you're going to survive. And um, and, um, also, also, um, when my second husband was alive, and I only married him to try and get away from my first husband because I knew he wouldn't come if I was with someone else. And um, he turned around and um, we went to a um, minister, and his, which we thought they was all right, and we both went for some counselling. And he said, I suppose you're going to tell us that your mother tried to abort you. And we both stared at him and said yes, because she was there proud of it. And um, he just hit the lounge chair and laughed his head off and told us to go. Now, if that's ministers, I don't need them. And um, also, um, if you go and tell people, they don't believe it anyway. I've tried that. I've gone to counsellors. My husband, before he died, I didn't kill him. He had a heart attack. Um, But before he died and stuff, we tried counselling and stuff. But I, I'm at the stage I don't know how to love, I don't know how to trust, I don't want to trust, I don't cuddle anyone, I don't hug anyone. Um, I'm a blob. And, <sighs> Ellie, um, 
Yes. I'm going to ask you your permission, of course, but I'd love to be yes. able to pray for you. Can I pray for you? <laughs> you reckon I'll do any good? Yes. All right. Well, I'm sure well, listeners... I said that. I'll take that back, so I'm sure it will do some good. I'm Let me say, it's not just me who's going to pray for you, but I think everyone listening to our conversation yes. uh, will want to pray with you right now. So let me just just offer a brief prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh we sometimes feel like our situation is hopeless, that there is no light at the end of the tunnel, that exactly. things are all negative, that there is no way mm-hmm. forward. Let me just pray. Mm-hmm. Loving God, you are the one who is the master of the miraculous. It's not us by our own power, but Lord, as we can stand in some sense today in solidarity with yes. Ellie. Lord, asking for you to come into her circumstance Mm. to bring relief from the tensions and the trauma of her past Mm. and to encourage her heart now with your salvation, with your assurance, with your love. Lord, we ask for that intervention to come right now into Ellie's heart. Mm. Lord, we ask that from this day forward, that you'll help Ellie to have a different outlook on her life, to see those things of her past as truly those things that are past, Mm. that she will know what it is to know the idea and the understanding that old things are passed away and all things are new with relationship to Jesus Christ. Mm. Lord, even in this moment, in Ellie's difficulty in believing, in Ellie's challenges and cynicism around church and pastors who have not believed her story in the past. Lord, I pray from this day forward that you'll go before Ellie and create and lead her into those relationships that will give her in this day a fullness of life that you promise to us. You Mm -hmm. promise us abundant life. Lord, we pray that you'll lead Ellie into a time of abundance into her future. Mm -hmm. Bring your blessing upon her now as you wrap your loving arms around her in Jesus' precious name. Mm -hmm. And Heavenly Father, I just ask for your presence, your loving, compassionate presence, your everlasting arms to wrap around about Ellie this morning. Father, I pray that you would lift off the grief and the pain and the sorrow and the injustice that's been assigned to her during her lifetime. And Father, that she would actually experience your presence right now coming all over her and your loving compassion and kindness to be her portion this day. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. Ellie, thank you so much for being so courageous and calling in and uh, and for sharing your story. Um, and I'm not surprised that people who've been counsellors and pastors have found it hard to believe, but your story is so significant and uh, we'll just believe God for his wonderful intervention into your circumstance. Thank you so much uh, for being a part of 2020 today and courageously sharing your thoughts. And I think listeners all over Australia will be encouraged by the way that we can have the biggest prayer meeting like this and we can stop and do things that are so openly and abundantly Christian and say, let's pray because here's someone who really needs a touch from God and a different destiny from God who can set those things in motion. Ellie, thank you so much for calling in. 
Well, time has run out. Uh, Liz, you are on your way, heading bush this week, and you're going to be taking with you the Word for Today devotional. And I mentioned you distribute copies of that. And, you know, I might just honor you here for a moment because uh, you're one of the biggest distributors of the Word for Today. I mean, people will know when they listen to us talking about the Word for Today, which comes out of Vision Christian Media. Uh, there's something like 160,000 editions of this goes out quarterly. And, and about 3,500 of those are going out through your con- your contacts. And uh, that's amazing. You also take Ian Watto Watson's book. Books uh, with you too, and you use those when you're talking with men. You you can supply copies of the Bible. Uh, you like to take those prepaid gift cards that can be used in local shops, and so it's not just blessing to someone who's in need, but it's also blessing to a community because someone takes that gift card into their local IGA or yes. into uh, their local shops, and the, they're using it there. It's a blessing in those communities. People, no doubt may want to be a new friend, a prayer support, or even even be involved in financial blessing through the good work that you do. Uh, do people connect with that on your website? They can, yes. It's just go to lizhowland.com and there's a little website there with articles on that you might like to read that might bring comfort and encouragement to you. And also on that little website, it's a very basic website, but the bank details are there if you would like to support Liz Howland, uh, I want to say thank you so much. Uh, wonderful sharing your heart with us and uh, and for bringing that bridge between the city and the bush. You do that so wonderfully and you just never know. And I said to uh, listeners earlier and, uh, you know, you wind your way on those outback tracks and you'll stop and you'll look at a driveway and you'll say, I'm going to drive up that driveway. People are completely taken by surprise. You're knocking on the door. And uh, I know that there'd be those listening today Maybe that's uh, their expectation. You'll be knocking on their door sometime soon. And if that doesn't happen, uh, look forward to the next time we have Liz as our special guest on 2020. Liz, thanks so much for joining us today and sharing your heart with us. Thank you so much, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.